grab a seat. And I, I forgot to mention, you know, we have um, a few people here who, who work at Pearl Harbor and, you know, tough week uh, for all of us, but especially those at Pearl Harbor. So, you know, just um, during this week, take time to just pray <clears throat> for everyone there. <clears throat> you know, everybody deals with things like that in different ways. But, you know, I just was thinking about all the families, you know, just, um, yeah, that's a tough thing, right? I mean, for all the families, whether it was uh, the people who um, were, were killed by that person, that soldier, and even the soldier's families. So just pray for them uh, this week. Uh, we're starting um, this Christmas series, and we're going to be talking, again, focusing on worship. And, and, and how worship um, brings about peace. You know, one thing that I remember someone told me a long time ago, it's really hard to worship and worry at the same time. You know, it's, just, it's almost impossible. How can you worry and worry? If you're really worshiping, can't worry. And so worship really brings about peace. And we're going to look at different areas of that. And what I decided to do was, you know, um, different people, and I, I looked at different people, who've really engaged in worship and things. And so they'll be coming to speak uh, during the next few weeks. And so today, um, <clears throat> you know, Nathan Yoshida, who is kind of overseeing our, our worship ministry and, and all that, um, uh, he'll be speaking today. Um, but I'll call Nathan up. <clears throat> Nathan, come speak. <clears throat> and if anybody knows about worship and stuff, it's got to be him because he's overseeing the whole thing, right? Well, let's pray. Uh, let's pray for um, our time for Nathan. Lord, Father, we pray that nothing happens by accident, that you handpicked Nathan to speak to us today, that, that you gave him your words. And we just pray that your words spoken through Nathan would, would speak to our heart. You would speak to us heart to heart today, spirit to spirit, that your Holy Spirit would so touch our lives that we would know that it is, uh, it is really God Almighty speaking to us. And I pray today um, just on what you want us to receive from your servant, Nathan. I, I believe that people will be set free today. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's so weird to be up here without a guitar in front of me and something that's shielding me from all of you. Um, when, when Pastor Mark, he came up with, with this, this sermon series, and um, it was me and there was somebody else who shall remain nameless, who uh, we were both supposed to speak, and he had these topics. And I looked at the topic and I said, the one that was originally assigned to me, I was kind of like, nah, I don't know about that one. But the one that was assigned to the other person who was supposed to speak, I kind of liked that one. And so I said, maybe we can switch. And so... We did, and then I found out later that the other person who was supposed to speak who shall remain nameless like completely backed out, and I didn't know that that was an option at all. So that's why Tammy is smarter than I am. But uh, yeah, but we, uh, we just came out of a series, as most of you guys know, called Letters to KCF, that uh, for a lot of us, it was one of those like drinking from a fire hydrant kind of series, yeah? Um, it made us think and 
questioned and, and challenged us in ways that we as a church have never been challenged before. And it was a lot to take in, and it's a lot to process. And as we heard from Pastor Mark and Dave a couple weeks ago, uh, God is using letters to define the next journey for us as a church. And we don't know what that looks like yet, but we're starting to see the formation of something, and it looks good. And, and it's like looking through a lens that's out of focus, but it's starting to come into focus. And so one of the reasons why it hasn't taken shape just yet is because it's a lot to take in. And if you fully immersed yourself in letters, if you read the book and had discussions in small groups and intently listened to every message, there's a lot to process there. And, and I think that's why we're, we're doing what we're doing right now this month is so important. We're kind, of, we're kind of hitting the pause button and we're taking some time to just kind of stop and not worry about where God is taking us as a church. And instead, we're taking this month to come together as a family and simply worship God for who he is and what he's done. We're observing the tradition of Advent. And for those of you who don't know, Advent literally means coming. And it's a time of expectant waiting. It has its roots in the Bible when uh, the people of Israel in the Old Testament, they were anxiously awaiting the coming of the Messiah, who would save Israel from captivity. And we know, and we as Christians know that that Messiah is Jesus. So the Advent season is meant to be a time of waiting and anticipation for the celebration of Christmas. But it is a time of waiting. And it's a time of rest. And for some of us, rest is not easy. It's not easy for me. In fact, as I was, as I was writing this message this week and this particular section about rest inside my house, I could hear like a bunch of people outside my house. And one of them was a kid, and he was practicing singing O Holy Night. And then I hear a knock on my door, and I knew that these were people that were caroling. Now, I don't know how you feel about caroling. I've done that before. I'm not a fan. And, uh, but being the holy person that I am, you know, my first thought was, what are these people doing caroling on December 3rd, right? Thanksgiving was only, last, was only last week. Half of us don't even have Christmas decorations up, and then you people are knocking on my door seeing Christmas carols while I'm working on this message. And there's a second knock on my door, and I can hear the carolers talking to each other, and they're getting, like, excited. And I know that all that, all that they want to do is, like, take just a few minutes to bless our house with Christmas songs. But then I, I, I thought, man, if I answer this door... I'm going to lose all of my writing momentum. And like, what if they, you know, like stink at singing? And then I have to like, because I'm a singer, I have to pretend that I like what I'm hearing and God doesn't like it when we lie. So maybe I'll just not, like not answer the door so they'll think that no one's home, even though all the lights are on, there's three cars in the garage. That's how bad I am at resting. I'll make excuses in the name of doing the Lord's work not to rest. But, but rest is important because it's, it's in times of rest that we're able to hear God the clearest, and it's in times of rest that we're able to experience God's peace and joy and love. And so in this Advent season, I hope that God is, is, is showing us something about ourselves that he's never shown us before as we wait in anticipation for Christmas. It wasn't too long ago that I had to take a forced rest of sorts from doing ministry. I was overwhelmed by the circumstances in my life, which doesn't happen very often. And in fact, it really hasn't happened before. And I used to take a lot of pride that there was no such thing as, as like too busy for me, that there was no such thing as too much for me. But it happened. And I had to stop what I was doing and just 
rest. And that's how I wound up back here at KCF for like the, the third time. It seems like God always calls me out and he brings me back. KCF is my home. This is always the place that I come back uh, to rest. But it wasn't like God did nothing during that time of rest. In fact, it was only through that rest that God showed me some major things in my life that I had to deal with. And it could only have happened while I was resting. And one of those issues for me was forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is, is something that I struggled with. I still struggle with it. But what I've learned about forgiveness during that time of rest has allowed me to experience more freedom. It's allowed me to experience more peace. It's made my worship of God more powerful because of how difficult forgiveness is. And so today I want to share with you just what I've learned about finding peace through forgiveness because, because maybe for some of us during this Advent season, during this time of rest, God might be saying to you what he said to me, that this is a time to forgive. And what could be a more appropriate time to experience the, the freedom of forgiving than this season where we worship the Son of God, who was sent to us as the ultimate symbol of forgiveness. In Matthew 18, Jesus gives us an example and a definition of forgiveness in the form of a parable but it's the context of that parable that we're going to start with. These are two very familiar passages of Scripture, if you grew up in church, that are usually read, they're usually kind of read separately, but they're actually part of the same idea of forgiveness. So we're going to be in Matthew 18, uh, starting at verse 15. I think the, the notes are up there, um, or the verses are up there. It says this, if, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen... Take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So this is the biblical way from Jesus that we're told to deal with sin in the church. That's the title of this section. And so first you try one-on-one. Right? Then you take a couple of people to be witnesses, and then you take, you take it to the church leadership, and if all of that doesn't work, then you treat that person like a pagan, which today would be like an unbeliever. Now, traditionally, the churches use this passage as justification for like shunning or rejecting or expelling somebody from the church. And, and we've tried to point out this sin several times. This person refuses to listen, so we can now biblically ask him or her to leave the church. But when you look at the context of the passage, I don't think that's what Jesus meant. Because how did Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors, right? He didn't shun them. He didn't reject them. He ministered to them. He treated them as lost, and he gave them an opportunity after opportunity to change. And and I think that's what Jesus was getting at here. And I think that's the reason why, when you look at the the next passage, what, what Peter says, this is why Peter asked this question. This is verse 21. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? So why does Peter ask Jesus about forgiveness after what Jesus just talked about? It wouldn't be because Jesus was saying that it's okay to reject someone. I think it's because there's something about what Jesus is saying that doesn't jive with Peter's view of forgiveness. I mean, look at the question again. How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? When Peter uses the number seven, 
Uh, he's not talking about a literal seven times, so it's not a count. The number seven in the Bible, it's symbolic, and it represents completions. It's connected to the seven days of creation in Genesis. So whenever you see the number seven in the Bible, it usually represents an end or a limit to something. And so when Peter, what, what Peter is asking in light of what Jesus said is, okay, Jesus, how much forgiveness do I have to keep extending to this person who sins against me? Isn't there a limit? Isn't there a point where if they just refuse to change or just refuse to make things right with me that I can just say, forget that guy? And it's not hard to understand where Peter is coming from because I feel like we kind of struggle with the same thing. Person messes up. They keep hurting us. They keep sinning against us. We keep having to forgive because we think that's, that's the Christian thing that we're supposed to do. But we wonder, isn't there a point where I can just say no? Isn't there a point where I can just say that's it. That's it. I've extended enough forgiveness. They keep messing up. They're not sorry for what they did. Isn't there a limit to where, um, to an extent to my forgiveness? But, but Jesus responds to Peter and he tells Peter, I tell you not seven times, don't forgive seven times, but 77 times. Some translations say 70 times, seven times. In other words, what Jesus is telling Peter is no, There is no limit to your forgiveness. And then Jesus tells a story illustrating why why we need to forgive and not why we should forgive and why we need to forgive. And forgiveness really, as as we're going to be seeing here, forgiveness really isn't about, it's not about the other person. Forgiveness is about us. And and Jesus' view of forgiveness wasn't really about the other person having to go and ask for forgiveness. Jesus really focused on the person who needed to extend that forgiveness. And so Jesus tells this parable about forgiveness in verse 23 of Matthew 18. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So you have this servant who owed this king 10,000 bags of gold. Now, I thought that it would be cool if I could tell you how much 10,000 bags of gold in biblical times is worth today. I'm a math teacher, and so I figured, how hard could it be? It's just multiplying a couple of numbers. So I did some research. I did the math. And if you fast forward a couple thousand years, you adjust for inflation, you convert it to dollars, 10,000 bags of gold in today's economy would be worth the approximate amount of plenty money. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was an unpayable debt. And even though the servant said he would pay everything back, the king knew that there was nothing that the servant could do to repay the debt. This is money that the king is rightfully owed. It is money that he is supposed to get back. But the debt is so great that he knows he's never going to get it back from this guy. And punishing him, taking away everything, none of it is ever going to repay the debt. So what does the king do? He cancels the debt. And in doing so, he gives up any hope of ever getting back what he is owed. It's not pay me back later, right? It's completely canceling, and he gives up the hope of ever getting back whatever he's supposed to get. And that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is giving up the hope that the past could be any different. Giving up the hope that the past could be any different. We all have this idea 
whether we know it or not, we all have this idea of the life that we want and the memories that we want to create. And none of that includes hurt or pain, especially from those that we care about or who are supposed to care about us. So whether we realize it or not, we create this ideal life in our minds that we believe we deserve because in a perfect world, we wouldn't experience hurt or pain. And so when someone hurts us, the reason why we're hurt is because they did something to us that we didn't expect or thought we deserved. And that derails the ideal life that we strive for. This wasn't supposed to happen to me. It wasn't supposed to go this way. You weren't supposed to hurt me. You weren't supposed to do this to me. That's not part of my plan. I'm supposed to look back on these events and be happy. I'm supposed to look back on our relationship with good memories, and you've ruined that for me. You've taken away the past that I was supposed to have. And when we don't forget, what we're really saying is, you owe me a debt, and you need to take that hurt back. You need to change what you did, and I'm not going to let that go until you do. And the problem is, that person can't repay that debt. They can't change the past, and, and you, can't do, you can't go back and undo what's been done. That hurt is a part of you. It is a part of your past. And I think that's why forgiveness is so difficult, because because it really means letting go of the past that we thought we, we wanted. It means letting go of the, the, the past that we thought we deserved. And that's not simple. It is not easy to let go of something that we, that we strive for, that we have this idea of. And, and that's why forgiveness, the other thing we have to understand about forgiveness is that forgiveness is painful. It is painful because even though we, we may have let go of the hope of ever getting back what's owed to us, the pain is still there. And it doesn't, it doesn't go away just because we've said, you don't owe me anymore. And, and in this story, even though the king canceled the debt, he's never getting that money back. He's out 10,000 bags of gold. And I don't care how rich you are, that's got to hurt. And the same is true when we forgive. We're, we're out what we feel like we're owed, and we're not getting that back. And it means that we're extending mercy to someone who doesn't deserve it. And so the, the pain doesn't go away as soon as we say, I forgive you. And sometimes I think that's why we also struggle with the idea of forgiveness. We think that as soon as we say those words, that everything is going to get better. And that means that the pain is going to go away. And the truth is that I forgive you is really only the first step. And it's a painful step for all the reasons that we, look like, that we looked at. I think one of the reasons why we have a tough time with that is because we, we have this idea of forgiveness that we see like on, on TV on TV or movies, like, you know, like how, like, this time of year, like, there's, like, the Hallmark Channel, and, like, 24-7, they're showing all those Hallmark movies. Um, I've never seen one of them, but I just, I can figure, I can guess, like, the plot, right? So there's this, there's, there's, like, people, and then there is a big fight, and there's a lot of crying, right? Am I right so far for those of you guys? For those of you guys, so far, so good, right? Then there's this moment of either forgiveness or reconciliation, then there's more crying, right? And then, and then the very next scene is, Everybody is singing songs around the piano, Christmas tree, snow falling, and that's it. That's the end of the movie, right? That's, that's how, that's, is that how it goes? That's how I think it goes, right? And that's what's supposed to happen when we forgive, right? That as soon as we say, I forgive you, everything is cool, pain goes away, everybody is better singing songs around a piano. And the reality is that it, it just doesn't because emotionally, that's just not how forgiveness works. I mean, if the wound is deep, it's not going to instantly heal just because we've chosen to forgive, just because we've chosen to let go, just because we've chosen to say, 
I forgive you, the, the pain doesn't go away. And understanding that kind of helps with forgiveness. The idea that, okay, just because I say the words doesn't necessarily mean that everything all of a sudden is going to feel better. Something else that I've learned about forgiveness that really helped me on, on this journey is accepting that, that forgiveness doesn't make it okay. Forgiveness doesn't make it okay. And this is where we sometimes misunderstand forgiveness. This is where I, I misunderstood forgiveness. A lot of times we look at forgiveness as, as someone who maybe like accidentally runs into you or steps on your foot or sneezes in your face. I work with kids. This is, that's what happens every day. And, and so what is the, the person says, I'm sorry, right? And then what do we say in response? We say, that's okay. And so we think that's what forgiveness is. We think that forgiveness means having to be okay with what happened. But when it comes to hurt, like real emotional hurt or real pain, it's not, it's not okay. And it's not okay that you were hurt. It's not okay that that person did that to you. And maybe that's why we have a difficult time with forgiveness because we think it means having to be okay with what happened. And if you're in that space, if the reason why you can't forgive is because you think that forgiveness means that you have to be okay with what happened to you, I pray right now that God just releases you from that burden because forgiveness does not make what happened to you okay. And it doesn't make what that person did to you okay. Forgiveness isn't about being okay with what happened to you. Forgiveness is about accepting that it has happened and letting go of the hope that it could turn out any other way than it did. And if we can get there in our hearts, there's this freedom that comes with that because we are no longer holding on to that burden. And we're no longer held prisoner by our past. And this is why we need to forgive and, and, and Jesus actually, as he continues to tell this story, he actually goes to the other side of that. And he kind of says, he kind of gives consequences or what might happen when we, when we don't forgive. This is verse 28, same passage, very next thing. Jesus says, when the servant went out, he found, this is the same servant who was forgiven of the 10,000 bags of gold. The servant found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The same servant, the same servant who had that huge debt canceled by the king, refused to forgive the much smaller debt of his fellow servant. And what happened? The king takes that servant and and throws him in jail, and that's where he spends the rest of his days. His unforgiveness literally holds him prisoner. And his refusal to let go of of a past debt leads to his future downfall. And and that's why we need to forgive. It's why we need to let go and not hold on. Because holding on to our past could cost us our future. The reason why I think we continue to hold grudges and not forgive is because we, we see it as our way of winning. And forgiving that person is like, it's like letting them win. It's like letting them get away with what they did to us. And that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem right to us. 
And so we hold on to that grudge, and we hold on to that hurt, and we hold on to that pain because letting go would be like letting them win, even though that's not what forgiveness is all about. When we don't forgive, when we don't let go of this hurt that happened to us that that we can't change, it affects our future. It affects how we think, how we act, how we relate to others. It can affect our focus. It can cause rifts in our relationship. I mean, have have you ever been hurt by someone who is close to you, and then when you see them because you run in the same circles, it just it looks like they're not even bothered by what they did to you. Yeah, like they're just they're just living their best life, and they don't even care that you haven't forgiven them. They don't even care that there's something going on between you two, and it just makes you more angry because you're like, how can they act like that? How can, they, how can they live like that when they know what they did to me? And then it seems like all of your friends are hanging out with that person more, right? Like nothing is wrong. And so you get mad at your friends because it's like they're taking that person's side. And if they were really my friends, if they really cared about me, they wouldn't be, taking, they wouldn't be talking to that person because they know. They know what they did. And, and even though that's really not what's going on, it feels that way to us. Because we're so consumed by the pain of what that person did to us. And when you consider that you're a limited resource, that we only have so much energy, and if we're going to spend all of that energy holding on to our past, holding on to our hurt, we're not going to have anything left. We're not going to be able to grab on to our future. We're not going to be able to grab on to what God has in store for us. Our past will hold us prisoner, and it's going to prevent us from moving forward. And God doesn't want that for us. God doesn't want you to be held captive by your past. He wants you to be free so that he can give you a better future. As as he says, to have, or as the Bible says, to have life and to have it to the fullest. Forgiveness isn't easy, but it's what we need to do because we're commanded to do it. This is usually the part where the speaker tells you, okay, so how do you get there? And I wish I, I wish I could tell you how to get there, but I don't have an answer for you um, because I think it's different for everyone. For, for some of us, it's as simple as just following Scripture, right? And the Bible says, forgive each other just as Christ forgave you. And for, for some of us, that's all that it takes. That's what the Bible says, so that's what I'm going to do. And if that's all that it takes for you, then please switch brains with me because I would love for it to be that simple for me. But for those of you who are hard-headed like I am, forgiveness is it's a daily thing, and it is a choice. And it's, it's not something that you do once. It's something that we choose day after day after day. It is every day saying, I let go. It is every day saying, I forgive. And and maybe the more we do that, the easier that it gets. But I know that some of us, we, we we aren't even there. Maybe some of us aren't ready to let go. We're not ready to forgive because maybe the hurt is just too, it's too new. It's too great. Maybe the pain is too fresh. And if that's you, then maybe it's not about actually forgiving. Maybe it starts with, with simply praying and asking God and telling God, God, I want to. I, just, I, I want to forgive. I want to get there. I want to let go. And if you can say that, if you can just take that step, God is going to meet you there. God will give you that strength to forgive. You just need to wait in anticipation for God to give you what you need. This, this season is meant to be a time for worship. But that can be hard. It can be hard if we're struggling to forgive. I mean, it, it's difficult to, to worship with, with open hands when those hands are holding on to something that we can't let go of. It's difficult to worship the God of forgiveness when we ourselves can't forgive. And, and maybe that's what God wants for you this Advent season, to experience the peace that comes from the freedom of forgiveness. 
And if that's what you want, God's not going to fail you. He never fails us. He always works things out for the good, and that is the God that we worship. And I think that's, that's the great thing about worship, is that, is that worship, much like forgiveness, worship is a choice. We can choose to worship God because of our circumstances, and we can choose to worship God regardless of our circumstances, because God is the same no matter what. He is the unchanging God. And so it doesn't matter what we bring to him or if we're able to bring anything, anything to him, we can still worship him because God is the unchanging God. And so we're going to close this time um, by, by focusing on that, by, by worshiping God. And as we do that, my, my encouragement to you is simply just, just wait on him. Just wait on God. We all have, have, we've all got places to be. we all got things to do. But maybe we can just take these few minutes to simply rest and to simply rest in God's presence and allow him to show us what he wants to show us. And it's, it's going to be different for everyone. It might be that there's someone in our lives that we need to forgive and we just need to get there. It might be that there's someone who, who we thought we had forgiven a long time ago, but the truth is we're still holding on. We're still holding on to that grudge. We're still holding on to that debt that they owe us. And God is saying now is the time. Now is the time to let that go. And for others, this might just be a time to worship God simply for who he is and what he has done. And maybe just to, to celebrate the fact that, that we're not perfect, that I'm not perfect, and yet God forgave this large debt that I owe him. And that's a reason to worship him. But we're going to take this moment to just kind of rest and worship. I'm going to invite us all to stand together. Just as we close, and I'm going to pray, and then we're going to enter uh, into that time of worship. And as we do, again, my encouragement is just, just allow God to speak to you as you wait on him. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for being, uh, we want to thank you for being our, our, our God who is the unchanging God. And who is the God that we can, we can lean into, who we can draw close to. And as we draw close to you, you draw close to us. And so, Lord, I pray right now that as we worship, that we would draw close to you, Lord. And that as we do, that you would show us whatever it is you want to show us, God. As we rest, as we wait on you, Lord. That you would, you would show us what we, need, what, what, what we need to know. Open our eyes to what it is that we need to see. Open the eyes of our hearts to what it is that we need to see, Lord God. We thank you for, for again, just for being the God who we can choose to worship regardless of our circumstances. So, God, whether we are, are struggling with forgiveness or whether we are free from, from that burden, Lord, meet us where we are at as we worship you. We pray this in your name. Amen.